You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 5th of April. I'm Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB Senior Economist John Faddy to discuss the recent developments on the financial markets and we'll also look back at the key trends that emerged in quarter one. Good morning, John. Morning, Paul. We might start by looking back at quarter one, if you don't mind, John, uh, which has been a very eventful period and probably beyond anybody's expectations. Can you please give me your thoughts on the performance of the financial markets in Q1 and what were the key themes that we've seen? Yeah, so if we look back over the first three months of the year, it's been quite eventful uh, from a financial markets perspective. You know, the period's been characterized by uh, accelerating inflation, uh, and that's against the backdrop of surging energy prices. That's included oil prices rising at certain stages by over 60% since the start of the year. And obviously then this inflationary backdrop has had a number of consequences for markets. From an interest rate perspective, we've seen a notable hawkish shift in both interest rate expectations uh, and at the same time central bank themselves uh, becoming much more hawkish. So, you know, if you just think in the last couple of weeks, it's included the Bank of England hiking interest rates uh, and the Fed also uh, starting its its rate tightening cycle. So from that perspective, we've seen in the UK uh, 50 base points of rate hikes since the start of the year. And that follows a rate increase in, in December of last year, too, from the Bank of England perspective. While at the same time, more recently, the US Fed has started its uh, rate tightening cycle with a 25 base points increase in March. And then not forgetting the ECB, whilst they still haven't moved on rates, you know, they've gone from uh, ruling out rate hikes to now opening the door to rate rises before uh, the year is over. So from an interest rate inflation perspective, what we've seen is, you know, quite a hawkish shift since the start of the year. And John, just in relation to the ECB, um, I, I mean, in compared to the US and the UK that you mentioned have already taken actions in rising rates, are they a little bit behind the curve in your view or, or is this just the way it's going to be with the ECB? Well, at the moment, the inflationary backdrop, while the, the trend is very much upwards uh, in the eurozone, uh, ECB probably has a little bit more time given that uh, you know core inflation in the eurozone is not as high uh, as elsewhere in terms of compared to the US and the UK. Although you could argue, as your point states, that you know Bank of England started back in December. Uh, they're ahead of the curve to some extent. The Fed have only started to hike now. Uh, so markets would probably view the fact that, you know, uh, in the next couple of months, in fact, if you look at what's priced in the market, it does expect the ECB to start uh, hiking interest rates, you know, as we get into the second half uh, of the year and, and that deposit rate to get back towards zero uh, by the end of this year. Uh, but the ECB themselves, in terms of what they're saying around that, has been, you know, more cautious on the extent and, you know, we've had Philip Lane, the chief economist of the ECB, out recently stating that any rate rises will be fairly gradual. So, you know, the market's priced in 50 base points of tightening from the ECB before the end of this year, whereas the ECB themselves, you may, may only go towards, you know, maybe 20 to 30 base points of tightening. And, and then in terms of rates turning positive in Europe, John, are we still looking at the start of 2023 or have we got a timeline in relation to that? Well, we can see what's priced in on futures contracts. So futures yeah. contracts basically have them priced in back around uh, zero in positive territory uh, by the end of this year, early next year. Okay. Uh, and then they have rates getting up towards in terms of the deposit rate, uh, what's priced in there looking at futures contracts. Uh, getting up towards 1% uh, as we move towards uh, 2023. So, you know, 
compared to elsewhere in terms of what the market expects uh, from the Bank of England and the Fed, nowhere near to the same degree of, of rate hikes expect from the European Central Bank. And even from a central bank perspective in the Eurozone, you know, rates getting to 1% historically, you know, still relatively low interest rate environment, even though it's an environment where rates are going higher uh, over the next 12 to 18 months and you know we said at the outset what's the bi- you know what's the big trend that's the big change from a eurozone perspective since the start of the year you know at the start of the year the ecb was ruling out rate hikes the ecb is now opening the door uh, and guiding that rate hikes are a distinct possibility uh, before the end of the year yeah and i think the real challenge for customers is that they kind of go back three or four months ago you've seen kind of marked increases in the fixed rates by anywhere between 50 to 100 basis points or whatever that might be john can i just ask you because you touched upon inflation uh, like, what are the main drivers for the global inflation in quarter one? And and just, I suppose, look, just in a broad sense, has inflation got further to go, do you think? Well, it's still, in terms of hasn't peaked yet, to, to give you a direct answer to that question. So, yes, it, it has further to go. You know, it's not likely to peak maybe till till we get mid-year. And, you know, that's been the other big, uh, as we said at the outset, you know, when we were coming into this year, the general view was inflation might start to ease back in the second half of the year. And now the probably likelihood is that we won't see it peaking maybe till till mid-year, you know. But inflation, that upward trajectory has continued through uh, last year. You know, the general consensus coming into the start of this year uh, was that we would start to see a moderation in energy prices and some improvement in supply chain disruptions. Yes. And, you know, they were the two key factors driving inflation higher uh, last year. And the general view was that we'd see an easing in both of those uh, as the as the year progressed, but you know it was pretty obvious in the early part of January that was not going to be the case. Uh, that we were going to see persistently higher inflation, and then more recently, uh, the w- impact of the war uh, in Ukraine and global commodity prices and those ongoing issues in relation to supply chains have just added further pressure, upward pressure, uh, to inflation. You know, and if you look at the moment, inflation rates in the US, UK are at thirty to forty year highs. Uh, not just the UK and the, in the US, but uh, across many uh, other uh, major advanced economies, and and they're you know expected to to uh, climb even further. So you know if we look ahead to the Q2 and the remainder of the year, you know the f- key features that dominated the first quarter, specifically around inflation and interest rate expectations and rate hikes, uh, are likely to continue to feature prominently. Uh, throughout the rest of the year, uh, including inflation rates starting to peak maybe as we get towards the mid-year point. And I assume, John, that the conflict in the Ukraine will, will probably play a, a significant role into quarter two as well, depending on how that plays out in terms of its impact on inflation and maybe the decisions of central banks. Yeah, and generally speaking, you know, what we've seen in the first quarter two is a lot of volatility in markets. First of all, that volatility was driven by that, you know, hawkish shift in interest rate expectations. And then uh, obviously, as we moved into February and into March, uh, the war in Ukraine had, had started to impact uh, risk aversion on markets and we saw a couple of periods of you know where equity markets uh, suffered so you know till we see a clear path as to what the outcome will be there in relation to the war in ukraine you know that's going to remain a feature too and a potential uh, flashpoint for markets from a source of, of volatility uh, and uncertainty uh, perspective uh, john can i ask you one last last question in relation to interest rates and uh, it was a thing that's been talked about quite a bit in the last week or two about the u.s 10-year bond yield and showing an inverted an inverted curve, um, and I think it was the two years higher than the ten year, if I have that right. But you might just for the listeners explain what that's kind of telling us, and is there concerns there in terms of the global economy? 
Yeah, so the inversion relates to the fact that obviously uh, U.S. Treasury yields uh, are have a number of different maturities. And what the market pays close attention to is the level of the two-year yield versus the 10-year yield. So normally the 10-year yield should be above the two-year. Yeah. Uh, what's happened recently has been the fact that the two-year yield in the U.S. has gone above the 10-year. Uh, so the curve has inverted rather than being upward sloping, it's inverted. Now, you know, there's a couple of features behind that. Uh, obviously, the two-year yield in markets tends to be the most sensitive to interest rate policy. So okay. the markets are expecting a number of rate hikes uh, from the U.S. Federal Reserve, uh, especially this year, uh, but over the next 12 to 18 months. So that's moved higher, uh, the two-year yield. Uh, at yeah. the same time, uh, the 10-year yield has, has, has come down a little bit, uh, whilst the two-year has moved higher. So that's why you've got that inversion. Now, you do say there, so in the last number of recessions, uh, that the that inversion has happened around 18 to 20 month, 24 months beforehand. Uh, so okay. you just pay close attention to that because it has been uh, an indicator of potential future recession uh, in the U.S. Uh, economy. But even notwithstanding that inversion of the yield curve, if you look at the futures contracts, for the U.S. economy, you know, markets have U.S. rates peaking and it's the same in the U.K. too, uh, peaking, uh, you know, around uh, end 2023 and in 2024 start to stabilize and even move back a little bit. So what that tells you is that markets generally think that you're going to have lower inflation as we move into 2024, but slower growth as well. Hence why markets expect, you know, by that stage, central banks to have finished their tightening cycle. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of Another aspect, not just looking at the inversion of the yield curve, but just looking at in absolute terms what the market's expecting. Basically, the market's expecting by 2024, you know, growth to have slowed uh, substantially and that to start to take hold in 23. Yeah. And at the same time, inflation to have moved lower uh, as well. So the outlook is uh, as we move into 23, 2024, 20, you know, slower growth and inflation to fall back. And that's generally, if you look at consensus global forecasts for all the major advanced economies, they are expected to, to slow notably uh, as we move into next year and into 2024. You know, after the last two to three years, we've had a sudden downturn and then a sharp rebound. Uh, as we move into next year, we start to see growth go back towards trend in many of the major advanced economies. And, and John, just, in, just maybe a quick point on the currency. So I, I personally am quite surprised at the relative kind of little impact we're seeing on a currency front. And what I mean by that is, the currencies, the main currency pairs, euro, dollar, euro, sterling, seem to remain fairly range bound over the last three months, four months, whatever that might be. Um, and certainly doesn't see any sense that that's going to change in the short term. Or is that your view or what's what's the view of AIB in relation to the currencies? Yeah, if you look at historically the ranges we've traded in, you know, if you look at euro dollar, you know, it started the year uh, close to the 113, 114 level. And, you know, trade it did trade at a low of, of, of 108 uh, earlier in this quarter and 108 is the key support level yeah for euro dollar in terms of any downward pressure on the euro against the dollar so that key support level is held what we've seen is that we have seen some impact uh, especially in the last couple of weeks with the invasion of russia uh, by russia of ukraine we've seen a bit of risk aversion on markets uh, and that has helped the dollar in other safe havens and then in the last week or two you know markets have you know reacted to some potentially early tentative signs of progress in the negotiations. We've seen the euro regain some lost ground. So get back up, you know, in the uh, one above the one 110 level against yeah. the dollar. But, you know, there still is a lot of movement there. But for much of the last month, if you look, want to look at the end of March, beginning of April, it's traded in a 109 to 111, 111 yeah. trading range. So, yeah, it's it's been 
relatively narrow trading ranges, but we have seen some impact, uh, mainly through the risk aversion perspective. As we look ahead, you know, the key driver of currency markets over medium term tends to be interest rate differentials. You know, at the moment, the Fed has already hiked and the ECB has yet to hike. But if the ECB does start to hike uh, in the second half of the year, then that should take away some of the upward support that the dollar is getting yeah. more hawkish Fed. So, so in terms of as we move towards the end of the year, you know, you could see the midpoint of a trading range in the second half of the year for euro dollar, a midpoint of a range of around 112 to 113 for, for euro against the dollar. And, you know, euro sterling, similar to, OK, the Bank of England's uh, hiked a number of times already well before the ECB. Yeah. You know, that's seen euro sterling trade back, back down towards 83p. But as we move into the second half of the year, you know, you could see a midpoint uh, trading range of around 84p for, for euro sterling. Yeah. Was the key thing there would be that the ECB, the rate hikes do materialize uh, from the ECB, uh, and then that will help, you know, take away any neg- negative impact from the fact that the Fed and the Bank of England have already been hiking well before yeah. the ECB. And sure, over the last couple of weeks and months, we've seen the ECB guidance kind of change a little bit as well. So we'll see how that plays out. Okay, John, look, many thanks for the update and the the look back over Q1. And a big thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AAB's Market Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Many thanks. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.